0: It's the final podcast before the draft on Wednesday, so I hope you ate all the tape. I hope you're ready for the test. It's coming. This is Roundball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga. Mark Titus of Fox Sports joins the podcast to describe what's frustrating about college basketball, not translating to the NBA. He's a college basketball writer. So I wanted a feel on the four-year guys, or the players that dominated in college, how it'll translate to the NBA. Please, if you missed any of the podcast, we talked to Jay Billis, who has a handle on college basketball, Justin Zanuck to get into the draft process for the Jazz, David Locke, who uses an NBA perspective, then Mike Schmitz, who's watched international products, since they were 15, listen back to them. We covered nearly every single player in this draft. Unless the Jazz take ESPN's Jay Alter, 6-4 wing, I think we covered nearly all the prospects in the Jazz's range at 23. So somewhere we'll find it. We'll have a reaction pod on the other side of the draft. So don't worry. Everything leading up is done. We'll run through 21 through 30 on the ESPN Big Board, and wrap things up with Mark Titus. Once again, draft coverage brought to you by University of Utah Health. U of U Health's sports medicine experts give you the same care that they give the Jazz, because you belong in the game as much as anyone. Call 801-587-2222 or go to sportsmed.uofuhealth.org. The thing to understand about the draft is much of what they're doing is trying to get these lottery tickets to pan out. Think of that as the picks. The players, it's about fit, culture that you have already. Are they built to be teachable? Do they want to learn? What can they learn? And what are their physical abilities? But the picks themselves are lottery opportunities to get better. Will they pay off? OKC has a bunch of lottery tickets over the next couple years. Milwaukee, plenty of tickets. Jazz last year, three of them. In the second round with Mieoni, Jarrell Brantley, Justin Wright Foreman. If Jarrell Brantley expands his game beyond the three-point line, plays under control, he'd be a great buy. As a lottery ticket in the second round, Justin Wright Foreman can be a formidable backup point guard. But town evaluators have a general handle on things where Rookie of the Year has come from the lottery every single time over the last 20 years. Only exception is Malcolm Brogdon, who was drafted in the second round. Otherwise, they're pretty much on. It's gotten much better than years past. What will be available come 23? Very likely one of the players 21 through 30 ranked by ESPN. Let's go through them, NFL primetime style. Number 21, he stands out as the Arizona guard linked heavily with the Jazz over this entire process, Josh Green. Green's from Australia, played his prep ball in Phoenix, huge recruit, landed with Nico Mannion as a McDonald's All-American. Now, he had two shoulder surgeries, and the latest being last year. Otherwise, he looks very helpful. 43% from the field, 36% from three, 78% from the free throw line. He has the right feel for the game, has tricky behind-the-back passes to add a little bit of flair. He's highlighted by his defense. Sean Miller tasked him with guarding and erasing the best offensive option on the other team, and normally he did it. He has energy. I watched him against Washington State, and they have this lefty guard named C.J. Ellaby, was going right at him, and Green didn't back down. 22, Leandro Balmaro. Talked about him with David. Balmaro comes from Spain, at least plays there. He's Argentinian. Got good minutes with the club out there. Played at the Nike Hoop Summit when he jumped on the scene. He's 6'7", 182, can play the point, but also anywhere on the perimeter. Has the passing to be at the NBA level. In the clips, you can see him crossing up guys, going to the rim, finishing with his left hand. He's been mentored by Argentinian greats, so he's tough. 30% from three needs to get better, but definitely a creative ball handler and passer. 23, Jaden McDaniels. He's heavily linked with the Jazz if you look at a mock draft. He was a highly rated recruit, Brother played at San Diego State, Jalen, right now on the Hornets. Jaden, you can see it. Top 10 body, 6'10", 200. Looks like Brandon Ingram, Jonathan Isaac out there. If he gets that shot right, he can be productive. More of a long-term prospect. When you watch the games, Washington wasn't fantastic. And in the games, you would see him make mistakes. Foul-prone and not the best decisions. Led the Pac-12 in turnovers and fouls. Not the best combination to be tops in a league. But McDaniels as a recruit and as a prep player had all the inkling. And fitting into a system like a 2-3 zone can be difficult on a young player. He's a freshman coming out. Number 24, Tao Maladon. Talked about him with Mike Schmitz. He played with the senior French team. and He split time with point guards. But he made little to no mistakes, takes pride on his defense, is a catch-and-shoot player, shot 36% from three, 79% from the free throw line, a little bit of a taller point at 6'5". The thing that's bright about him is the Team France general manager mentioned how mature he is. He acts like a 30-year-old. That maturity will serve him well if he's playing at the G League which half of last year's draft picks did. So, Maladon has been playing in the French top flight since 16, has that maturity of a pro player. 25, Nico Mannion. You know the backstory on him. Son of Pace, former jazz man, former jazz analyst, grew up in Italy, has an international game, played for the Italian national team, the 2019 FIBA World Cup. He was on an inconsistent team, And it wasn't him doing the defending. That was Josh Green. It was him doing the offensive operating. Settled for a lot of jumpers, though. His two-point percentage suffered in conference. You watch him. He had more space in the non-con. When it came to playing the Washingtons and other teams that went to zone, they packed the paint, and he had to settle for mid-range jumpers or threes. His two-point percentage suffered when it came to the Pac-12 slate. But he's a skilled playmaker, has the right feel to play the game. At twenty six, Robert Woodard, David's favorite player. Six seven two thirty wing out of Mississippi State. Seven one wingspan. Good leaper. He can guard one three four. Shot forty three percent, sixty four percent from the free throw line. Ben Howland described him as a bruiser. If he has the explosive athleticism, he can be a Royce O'Neill. David loves Robert Woodard, so you want to get hyped on him. Listen to the lock episode from Saturday. 27, Isaiah Stewart, big out of Washington, 6'9", 250. I've enjoyed Stewart ever since he burst onto the scene as a prep. Initially recruited to Syracuse, decided to go to Washington once Mike Hopkins got the job. He has a seven four wingspan, from Rochester, New York. Relentless offensive rebounder. 17 points, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks. Didn't take many threes, only took 20, but his free throw touch, 77% for a big. He's trying to expand his range, but that sample size wasn't there in college. Get him back to the basket, though, and he is dominant. Love his game. Appreciates the history. He wears 33 in honor of Patrick Ewing. Stewart's a bright, bright young man. 28, Tyler Bay. Very versatile, six seven two eighteen 218 out of Colorado. The Conference Defensive Player of the Year in the Pac-12. Played three years for the Buffs. Has a seven-foot wingspan from Vegas. He'll need to defend perimeter players in the NBA, but he has the chops as he can play around the basket like he did in college and also defend smalls. His coach highlighted how much he enjoys Guarding anybody. He has the confidence to guard anyone. I like that Tyler Bay's realistic about his body and his play. He compared himself to Sean Marion. 29, four year guy. Going to talk about him with Mark Titus, Cassius Winston out of Michigan State. A lot of the college basketball people love what he can bring. And I could see him being a nice backup point guard, consistent, steady. It's what he was in college. As he progressed and got better every single year, he was in contention for national player of the year in the preseason. Had no ego while playing for Sparty. And he's going to get the same thing that Trey Jones, number 30, is going to get. How consistent are you? Trey, bigger than Cassius. limited by size. Winston, 6'1". Trey Jones, 6'4". But he's unselfish as well. Played in that Duke system, so you know he can use the pick and roll has good touch, 77% from the free throw line. Jones is vying for that same position as Cassius Winston. Backup point guard. Those two land in the right spots. Very fruitful NBA careers. So that's it. Top 30 NBA prospects, according to ESPN. Hopefully, player Utah drafts has been discussed. Make sure you check out all of the podcasts that we've had. Even check out one of the ones that we've done in the way back. Commissioner Adam Silver, PJ Carlissimo, George Carl. Listen to any of them. Five stars, nice reviews, that's all I ask of you. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Podcast brought to you by University of Utah Health, the trusted healthcare provider of the Jazz family and yours. Visit uofuhealth.org jazz. Let's hear from Mark Titus. Mark played a U-ball with Mike. Played on Ohio State with him, still keeps up with him. He covers college basketball for Fox Sports. So as far as the draft angle, we're talking cliches, his favorite peeves about draft coverage. But first, I want to know when he met Mike Conley.
1: I'm, I'm very happy to be here. This is uh, exciting stuff. I jumped on the jazz bandwagon because of Mike um, it didn't quite take me where I thought it was going to, but it was a fun ride nonetheless. I learned that jazz fans, uh, you know, I'm from Middle America, so I'm from, I grew up in Indianapolis, obviously, with Mike, played you together and all that, then I went to Ohio State, so uh, I spent most of my life in Middle America, I live in LA now, but I just, I, I say that to say that, like, I know what it's like to cheer for an NBA team uh, that, that is often neglected, That that the rest of America... Anytime you have a good player, the rest of America just starts talking about how they're going to leave. They're like, yeah, how, how can we get him out of Indy or Utah or Cleveland and get him to the coast where he belongs? Um, so all of that is to say, following the Jazz this year and and just witnessing the fan base, because uh, I would read the articles and like, I was just trying to plug myself in and just seeing the fact it, 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 I don't know, it worked for me. I was excited. It was like, it made me feel like I was, you know, I was a part of something, even though I kind of wasn't, you know, like I was just kind of floating in to cheer for the jazz for one season. But anyway,
0: first year, do you have jazz gear? How's it looking? As, I, as a I, new don't have,
1: I need some gear. I bought the, like, we'll set you of- up. Don't worry. Yeah, I need the gear. Is what I need. I have. Uh, I was waiting for Mike to to make that happen, but I did buy the the. This was the very first year I ever got the. Uh, uh, what is it called? The package. The where you watch all the games. The 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 Sunday ticket. Is a league is pass. Called. League pass. Yes, I got the league pass, so I could just on a random Tuesday night throw the Jazz game on and 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 do it that way so like i was i was watching a lot of the games and i was watching and with the league pass which i didn't realize is they just like leave the camera on and you get to see the crowd, just, yep. like, <laughs> crowd during commercials there's like the no arena yeah <laughs> so that's what i think i mean i gotta watch like the jazz fans i was like man they seem like they're really into this during the first quarter of time out this is cool i like this <laughs> yeah
0: some of the dancing is a little a little yeah. much at times <laughs> when you're in the arena as much as someone like i am but uh yeah Speaking of Mike. Yeah. What were your first impressions when you met him? Was he always this stoic? Was he expressionless? Was he always composed?
1: So my AU team, we had five NBA players as our starting five. Uh, We we had Eric Gordon was on the team, Josh McRoberts, Greg Oden, uh, Daquan Cook, Mike Conley. Like we were, we were absolutely loaded. And I would say at no point, was Mike ever "quote unquote" the best player? Like Greg was probably the best. You know, he was the otherworldly talent as we were growing up. But like there'd be times where Eric Gordon couldn't miss, and you're like, man, he might be the best player. You never looked at Mike, and and an outsider would never look at our team and say Mike Conley's the best player on that team. But if you polled every single guy that played on that team and said who's the best player, we would all before you finish the question, we'd all say Mike. We were like, it's definitely Mike. Like Mike is the heart and soul of this team. He is he carried himself like a professional basketball player when he was 12 years old. Uh, I've never seen any, like, I've never met any, anybody like him. Yeah. That's, that's always been Mike. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like the guy, like just being around him, he makes you happier because like it feels like adversity just bounces off of him. Like just the way he handles life, he's just always stoic and in a good mood as you said, stoic and, and just, um, so when you're, you feel that when you're around them, you're just like, man, everything's going to be okay. Cause Mike Conley is here. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I love the guy.
0: <laughs> well, and he's also, uh, it happens a lot in, in college basketball. I'm sure as you see, he's one that is the deserved Mike Conley jr. Senior yeah. was a hell of an athlete in his own right. Yeah. Uh you mentioned he was coaching that team, but what were those practices even
1: like? He was he was a, an incredible athlete. I remember at the time I didn't think it was that big of a deal because I was too young to know the difference. But I remember he used to like after we would go and get done with practice, we'd all uh just screw around and and just try to dunk basically, like when we were in like eighth grade and we're throwing the ball off the rim off the backboard and catching it and dunking it and whatever. Um and I remember Mike senior would, would often join us. And he's like double pumping and, and dunking and all that. And I, and at the time, like I knew he, you know, I'd been to their house and I'd seen his gold medal for, for triple jump and all that. So like, I wasn't really that impressed at the time. Cause I was like, yeah, the guy's an Olympic athlete. He should be able to do this. And only as I've gotten older, have I looked back and been like, he was in his forties doing that. like, what? <laughs> that man was like, and he's not a tall man. Like he's not, it's not like Mike senior is like six, nine or anything. Uh, so the fact that he was doing that, like now that I look back, I'm like, man, the genes in that family are just unbelievable. I've always gotten on Mike Jr. for not dunking more. Like, cause he can jump out of the gym as well. He just doesn't ever want to show it. You get a breakaway. He's always just laying it up and sl- and, and preserving his legs. And now that we're a little later in his career, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't think he's – you know, he's certainly not going to do it now if he wasn't doing it when he was 25 and stuff. So. He wasn't doing it at Ohio State? Wasn't no, doing it in I, AAU. I don't understand. But, like, like he would do it, like, we, we would screw around in practice, say. Uh-huh. You know, like, we get done with shoot around before a game or something, and then we're all just screwing around trying to do stupid dunks. Like, Mike would get in there and mix it up, and he would do crazy dunks. And you're like, dude, what, what is going on? You never dunk in a game ever, ever. And and, and you're, you're an incredible athlete. I don't understand. It it was, it was, I don't know what it it has to be a conscious decision that to not do it. Like, I don't know if he doesn't want to, maybe it's like if I lay it up, people think I'm not that athletic so then I can catch them off guard and get them on their heels a little. I don't know. I don't know if that's with Mike, you never know. Like that guy is so cerebral. Like maybe, maybe that much thinking goes into it. I don't know. (laughs) He's playing the 4d chess. Yeah. Right. Uh,
0: Were you in those practices and getting crushed, by him in horse like he did earlier on in this COVID. Oh, yeah, pandemic. yeah. He,
1: he won the he won the horse thing. He uh yeah, I, I I got crushed by everything I ever uh ever tried to do against Mike. I remember I will say he was I I, I don't want to say he was a bad sport, but I remember we used to play Tony Hawk on uh the, the Tony Hawk video games when we were freshmen in college. Um and it was both of our favorite games and he was better than me, but I, I started playing it enough that I remember when we were freshmen in college, I started to get a little. I started beating him more often, and then suddenly he didn't want to play anymore. So like that's the one thing I feel like. I feel like I kind of was starting to break through, and then. Does he get flapped in that? Is he less stoic
0: when it comes to video games, or?
1: What? I would say a little bit. Yeah, I would say he yeah he's not afraid to show a little emotion but he's still like you're not you're not going to see him throw the controller across the room and shatter it or anything like that like i i would but uh yeah you can get him you can get him a little bit because um i i feel like he has it it maybe it's something where it's like you're in less control of the video game because you're you're always prone to glitch you're always prone to just like the algorithm on the video game screwing you over you know your, your opponent throws a Hail Mary and it, and it works out and there's nothing you could have done about it. And I, I think that that can get to Mike a little bit. Whereas like when he's playing sports, he thinks he's always, he's like, I'm fine. I'm going to hit the next shot. We're going to be fine. We got this. We're good. We're good. And he, it's hard to crack him that way. So, uh, but no, there's not a lot that gets that guy worked up. It's, it's, it takes, it takes a lot to, to get to that point for sure.
0: Did he ever have a rival when it came to recruiting in basketball? Cause he was one of the top recruits yeah. in the entire country even if Greg Oden was number one, was there anybody that he went at? Because I know with Syracuse, like Mello would go at TJ Ford in the tournament. He went right. extra hard against him because they were two guys that were coming up.
1: I don't, I don't actually know. I mean, I, I had rivalries for Mike. The one that I was really <laughs> upset about was Ty Lawson. Uh, he was in our class. And Ty Lawson was, if, depending on which scouting service you looked at, Ty Lawson was sometimes considered the best point guard in the class coming out. And uh, so I would get upset on Mike's behalf. I don't, I don't know if he ever cared enough to, to pay like one thing that, that worked in his favor, I think is, is having Greg uh, to where th- this is, this is kind of weird to think about. Mike Conley has not been the best player on a basketball team since he was in like eighth grade, seventh grade, you know, and how good he is and how long of a career he's had. And uh, he's one of the best, Memphis Grizzlies players in, in franchise history, if not like the most important Grizzly ever. But like, at, at, even throughout his Grizzlies run, like people would always talk about Gasol as like the guy on the team or, or Zach Randolph, say, or or whatever. Uh, and all through high school, he had Greg Oden. And then in college, he had Greg Oden. And and like, it, it's just so weird to think about that a guy that, he might be the most talented basketball player of all time who was never the, bas- the best player on his own team ever. Like, I don't even remember. Like, you'd have to go back to like fifth grade the last time Mike Conley was like, the best player on a team which is absolutely insane to think about because he's he's so good you know and he gets the, the underrated card the best yeah. point guard never to be
0: in an all-star team in an all-star game
1: yeah, yeah yeah he gets all those caveats and yeah man yeah
0: <laughs> has he changed has he changed since college because you knew him early on has he changed over the course throughout uh, his career
1: uh, no, like the Mike, the person has not changed. I think the things around him have obviously changed. Like he's got more distractions. He's got more uh, obligations and more his, the the Mike Conley enterprise has certainly grown, you know, like he's got. the uh, uh,
0: We Mike, saw, we saw the gym in the yeah, in the, yeah, horse conversation. The, gym and the
1: horse competition. You know, like that, now, if you want to go over his plate, like when we were in college, if I wanted to go hang out at Mike's place, I would walk across the hall of our dorm and knock on his door and sit out. Now it's like, I got to drive across town. I got to, you know, say the password to his butler and, and let the, <laughs> the golden gates open i'm, I'm kidding um but no he, the, he's, he's the same guy man he he really is especially you get us around like the guys that the, the au team type guys that, that have, have we've all been like a core group since we were like 14 you know and it's just like the old days and and, and it's all the same and it doesn't matter who's gone on to do what uh who th- that's, what's weird too, is like when I was on that AU team, I was actually not that bad. And people don't believe that because my brand has become like the guy who's horrible at basketball. Um, but what's funny is like in, in that group, uh, I actually get like a little more respect than I probably deserve. And, and I guess the point I want to make is like, whenever we get together, it's like time was frozen and like wh- whatever standing you were on the pecking order in like 2003 or 2004, or whatever it is, like, that still applies now. So, like, I, I was, like, actually okay at basketball. Like, I kind of, like, could mix it up with the guys and stuff. So, now when we get around, there's, like, like I'm not afraid to say stuff to certain guys. And, like, Greg is, you know, in that group, like, Greg commands the most respect in the room because Greg Oden was the guy on the team for the longest time. And um, it, it's really an interesting thing. But to, to the larger point, Mike, uh, in those settings, he's the exact same guy. It's just that – when the bill comes for dinner, we all turn and look at him instead of <laughs> grabbing, reaching for our own wallets like we used to. <laughs>
0: what was the the reunion like? At least in Vegas, he posted the picture of of yeah. all you guys together, and that was the same weekend that he got introduced with the Jazz. In... Yeah, it was.
1: That's right. We had a good time because we he we he was so excited to be to to be on the Jazz, and we're we're all excited for it. I think one of the things that's cool about like the group of guys that the the AU team were on all that. Um, is we, we genuinely are happy, and I'm kind of speaking. I guess when I say we, mostly it's like the, the guys I'm closest with are like Mike and Greg, and uh, there's another guy, Reese Cheatham. Um, but anyway, we that core of guys, like whenever Mike succeeds, we feel like we succeed with him. And so that weekend at Vegas, like he had just signed with the Jazz, I forget the timeline of it all, but it was like he's going to the Jazz, and uh, we knew we, obviously the Jazz is a great franchise, and and Uh, The situation he was in in Memphis, like he loved his time in Memphis and we love Memphis, whatever. But uh, you could kind of see that Memphis is ready to hit the reset. And Mike only has so much time left on the clocks. We're like, oh, great. A fresh, like he's going to get another chance to be on a great team, all this sort of thing. And I think me and Greg were like happier than Mike was, honestly, like we're at dinner and we're just like, so excited. We're like another round. Let's go. This is and Mike's like, Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> but no, uh, it, it is uh, I don't know. It, it is really, really cool. And I get, I, it's like a surreal feeling to, I mean, like as long as I've known Mike Conley, I knew that he was going to be an NBA player Um, just the way he carried himself and how good he was and, and all that kind of stuff. But just to see, the way his career has progressed and, and the success that he's had, it does, it just gets a little surreal to like the guy that you feel like you've known forever. And um, to, to be on that stage, it, it, I, 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 I'm still not really used to it, to be honest with you. I'm still, I'm still not used to the idea of, yeah, like Mike Conley having, you know, like other NBA players in in his phone or, or he could call Kanye, For yeah, instance. Con- yeah. He's like, for, like, you want to talk that was about insane. that, man. That was insane. So no. Kanye
0: came here for a Sunday service thing Yeah, last year, right? And everybody is buzzing around the practice facility. All of a sudden, everybody has to leave for some reason. And he's he's leading the, the charge out and bringing people with him to go see Kanye yeah. because he's in town. And, of course, Mike knows him. And then we're like, no, he doesn't know Kanye. Come on. Four hours later, we see on Instagram Dante Exum and Kanye West – Featured with Mike Conley in the picture. <laughs> We're like, what did how how did these two connect?
1: Oh, I I was kind of I, I wasn't involved in the connection, but I was there as it was happening. And so far as I had just moved out to LA before Mike had ever met up with Connie before. I I had just moved out to LA and uh would he have still been on the Grizzlies at this time? Of course, I think so, of course, yeah. So um I look at the schedule and I see that the Grizzlies are coming to town. And I I am never a guy that hits anyone up for tickets or anything like that. So, like, my approach when I text Mike is not like, hey, man, could I get a couple tickets when you guys play the Lakers or anything? It was more of, hey, I noticed you play the Lakers, and then you play the Clippers like three days later. I assume you guys are just staying in L.A. for the whole time if you have a free night, like, let's grab dinner. Like, that's what I sent him. So we made this plan to get dinner. Um, and again, I, I had just moved out here. So I didn't really know a ton of people out here. And, uh, you know, there's a ton to do in LA. But if you don't have people to do it with, it's kind of pointless. So I, I just kind of sat at home and just kind of waited for friends to, that were visiting and all that. So I got really excited. I was like, Oh, my friend from back home is coming. I got to go grab dinner with Mike. Long story short, we, we make this dinner plan. At the last second, he snubs me and doesn't tell me why and he's like hey man i can't make it and i was i was hurt because I, I was like man this was i was so excited to see mike i was so excited to like go to some restaurants in la whatever it was uh, he snubbed me and i was, I was a little, and i was like man are we not friends and whatever i'm i'm playing over all the scenarios in my head fast forward the next day uh, they're playing the lakers and mike is warming up and i'm seeing like uh, people tweeting out highlights of mike conley dapping up kanye on the sidelines and all that and then the 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 trip commences mike reaches out to me he's like yo sorry about the other day so what happened was is kanye got a hold of me and wanted to go to dinner and i basically i got snubbed for kanye and uh i wasn't mad about it at all i was like oh my god so i wanted to get the story and my understanding of the story is that i don't even think mike re- I'm, maybe he does now but i still don't think it's entirely clear how it happened other than kanye was just watching basketball and like paying attention to mike and it was just like, that's a guy I feel like I would vibe with. I want to meet him. So like, he somehow just like got his number and called him and it was just like, we should go to dinner, Mike. And that was it. Like, I feel like that's the story. And, wow. uh, Cause when, when I was talking to Mike about it, I was like, how did this happen? He's like, I have no idea. Like Kanye West just texted <laughs> me. <laughs> 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 He's like, I have no idea. So when I came to LA, I was like, I guess I'm going to dinner with Kanye. That was, that was it. So, uh, anyway, the first time that they had like got together and that friendship, that unlikely partnership kind of started going, uh, what, what they don't tell you in that story is that I was home alone, just sitting there waiting for Mike to call me to go to dinner. And I was, I was snubbed, uh, but it's okay. I Only by I Kanye, done the same. Yeah. yeah. I would have done the same thing. If the roles were reversed, I'm hundred percent snubbing Mike to go hang out with Kanye.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, he, he is the most shoe head on the team. He has great shoes yeah. every single time that he walks through the facility. Every time it's different, it makes sense that they might I think that is it i think connect. mike
1: has a good fashion sense and i think kanye just like picked up on it and and yeah i mean i don't i don't blame him like yeah mike mike is a dude that uh he vibes all well with anyone so if, if that was it if kanye just had a good sense that he would vibe with mike he it, he was probably correct because mike gets along with anyone and and yeah so uh anyway yeah it, it is it is funny and greg greg and i have definitely talked about it a lot like this is absolutely insane that the it's coming to this but yeah it's like 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 we were talking about earlier like that sort of stuff i will never get used to like as you step away from it you're like yeah that makes total sense that mike um maybe not a guy like kanye but like the idea that mike would be you know mixing it up grabbing dinner whatever with with entertainers and rappers and this and that it shouldn't be that surprising but for me i i am still not used to it the idea that that actual famous people know who my buddy is that i've known since we were you know 13 years old or whatever. So
0: last one on Mike, and then then we'll move on to the draft. Uh, is there a second place for person that he knows that you might be a little jealous or you might mm. be fine if you were to snub you on a, on a dinner?
1: Uh, You know, the one that I'm jealous of is maybe Jason day. Um, oh, wow. Golfer. So Jason day, uh, he's a great, uh, he golfs it-
0: all the time. Mike.
1: Yeah. Mike's a big golfer. Uh, he's got, he basically is is a member at every course in Columbus cause he lives in Columbus, Ohio during the off season. Um, and so that's basically what he does is I'll see all off season. He's working out in the morning or golfing in the morning and working out at whatever it is, whatever the schedule is, he golfs and works out. That's it. That's all he does. Uh, but I remember I was playing this really nice course with him one time. He every so often, when I was living in Ohio, he would invite me every so often to go to go play with him on these private courses that I could never in a million years get on. But like, because I know Mike, I'd, I'd get on. And we played at this one, and we go into the clubhouse and we go up to the locker, and Mike's like changing his shoes by his locker and everything. And the two lockers that are that he's in between on his left, it says Urban Meyer, and on the right, it says Jason Day. And I was just sitting there like, this is your life, huh? Like you just golf with these guys. Uh, so anyway, he, he golfs with Jason day every so often. Cause Jason day's wife is actually from Columbus and Jason day lives in Columbus, Ohio. So, um, that is the one I'm most jealous of because Mike's golf game, I mean, he probably would have got better anyway, but like now he has access to guys that could like actually golf. And I just know he's out there getting all these tips and like, you know, like his golf experience again, that's another thing. Like I remember when we were golfing when we were in high school and in and, and college and, uh, his, his, we were about as good as I was like, as good as he was. And now the guy's like, he took off. Now the guy's unbelievable. Yeah. He's almost a scratch golfer. And I'm just like, how, this is ridiculous. Is there anything you're not good at Mike? <laughs> but yeah, Jason day might be the answer. Cause that would be my golf game. I can only imagine if I golf with Jason day all the time, how much better I would get.
0: That's been get my worse, new
1: quarantine but... hobby
0: is golfing. Oh really? First time ever. First time ever. I went like three months ago and all of a sudden I've gotten the, the itch for, for it. And now I, I am nowhere near it's, it's, uh, yeah. being satisfied with my golf game.
1: Yeah. And the, you never will be. I think that's the thing. <laughs> like if, if anyone says that, if, if you're asked the question, are you good at golf? And, and someone answers, yes, that person's a psychopath. I don't care who it is. If, if Tiger, like if you ask Tiger, like, are you a good golfer? He, and I feel like he'd be like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm not bad, but like, I, I have days. To work <laughs> yeah. I have days where I'm all right. Like anybody who's like, yes, I'm awesome at golf. You're like, all right, you're, you're giving me some serial killer vibes. Cause like no one ever would say that. No one would ever.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's too much confidence in, in Yeah. Yourself. That's way that's so too cool.
1: much. Yeah. Or you're misreading what, what the reality is like, I don't know, but yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a fun hobby, but at the same time frustrating as well. So anyway,
0: let's look at the draft because mm-hmm. you, you are huge into college basketball, your podcast, Titus and Tate on Fox sports. Before that you were at the mm-hmm. ringer covering college basketball. Why for someone like myself who also watches college basketball, why isn't OB Toppin like the number one pick? You're he was amazing me. in
1: college you're basketball last me. year. Cause he's, cause he's hit puberty. And that's the thing with the NBA is like, once you've hit puberty, you're damaged goods and they don't want to draft you. And they're like, get him out of here. They want to draft kids that are 12 years old and, uh, No, it really is weird because that that is like the biggest change in the draft. And and as more time passes, that becomes harder for me because uh, I am a college basketball. I will watch the NBA, but I watch it as a fan. I try not to like analyze the NBA. I try to just turn my brain off and just watch because uh, if you, if you have to like break stuff down, it just becomes exhausting. But college is my forte. I like break down college basketball and for the longest time, the guys who were the best college basketball players were the guys who would get drafted first. You're like, yeah, well, I watched that guy play college. He's awesome. I want him on my team. That has completely changed, and it changes more and more. I mean, this year, you look at, like, mock drafts, and who knows what's going to happen on draft night. This seems like a draft that could get pretty weird pretty quickly. Um, but if you look at the mock drafts, a lot of the guys near the top are guys who frankly were irrelevant to college basketball, which isn't to say they were bad. It's just that they were on bad teams or like, maybe you have a guy like James Wiseman who only played three games. You have a guy like LaMelo Ball who literally didn't even play college basketball. Um, and that has been very, very strange because I'm with you. Like I, if you would have asked me in March, like who should go number one in the draft? I'm like, probably Obi Toppin. Like the guy that's just like every time he steps on a court destroys everybody. Uh, but then like the the people who are in the know are like, well, his arms are two inches shorter than what we want them to be. And, you know, and he's got, he's got 10,000 minutes on his body. We're looking for a guy with like 7,000 to, you know, 8,500. That's the sweet spot of, of the right balance of experience, but also like his, he's not worn down too much. You're like, what? <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I love obi Top, but I do get it. Like he, a, a lot of, a lot of his game was uh, just kind of, being a better athlete and he's more skilled that he gets credit for. But uh, I don't think, I don't think the people that aren't putting him at number one, I don't think it's because they hate him. I don't think it's like, it's not like he's going to fall to like the jazz certainly. Yeah. He's definitely a guy that uh, I would love to see do well in the NBA because I don't love this idea of the NBA and college becoming just completely different. But it looks like the divide is just getting bigger and bigger where like what you look for in an NBA player to be what it takes to be a great college player is something completely different than what it takes to be an NBA player. And for the longest time, it it was just like, if you're good at basketball, you're good at basketball. Right. I don't know. I guess Zion changed is a, is a point against that because he was national player of the year. And then he was like the surefire number one. So maybe, maybe not, I don't know.
0: Maybe it's just this year. I mean the history of it, you have guys who, who are out of nowhere, jumping up the the boards, Anthony Bennett. I don't think anybody knew was going to be number one, even if they watch college basketball and, and actually took in some UNLV. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get annoyed by the NBA guy torpedoing in, jumping in and uh talking about college basketball, unwatchable, terrible. Can't, can't even look at it.
1: Do I get annoyed? Uh In a word? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the point, I, I feel like Utah uh, is, is, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a great college basketball state. And I feel like a lot of the, is there an overlap? Like if if people are diehard jazz fans, do they also cheer for the Utes or BYU or?
0: What's Utah? crazy is it, it used to be even better because USU used to be really great and, and BYU with Jimmer transformed yeah, the sure. state where everybody was really in on BYU. And then the Utes during the nineties were just right, gangbusters. Right, right. And, and now it hasn't really been, been the same with the PAC 12. But do you feel
1: like people, uh, they all cheer for the same. Yeah. We're everybody's united. It's by not, the it's not like, it's not like I've tried to, I, I think the most annoying part is the people that, um, they think I'm like brain dead. They think I'm like stupid. And they're like, you, you, they, they like pull you aside and they're like, I just want to, I just, you, you do understand that the NBA players are better, right? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Thank you, I understand. Like, I, I get, I get it. Uh, I don't watch college basketball because I think that the players are better than the professionals. I promise you, that's not, that's not it. It's uh, but there, there is some. There, there's like a, a romantic part of it for me that um, of, of the college game that uh, in a weird way, I guess for a lack of a better way of putting it, like the fact that they're not as good makes it the product better to me because you have so many more challenges you have to overcome. You can't, you know, if, if you you don't have a point guard, you can't just like make a trade and get a point guard halfway through the year. You have to figure it out. You have to, you have to do something with the, the guys you got. And, uh, there's something about that. And then also just the inherent, like tie the pride to the school that the guys, every person that's on that team chose to be there. He wasn't traded there. He wasn't drafted there. He wasn't, you know, he didn't have his agent floating rumors that he wants to go to L.A. or whatever. You know, um, now it's every- camps, a camps yeah. for recruits. Yeah, our camps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, like obviously, there's like a transfer epidemic, quote unquote, is what they call it in in college. But all that stuff. But like the guys who don't want to be there, they transfer. The guys who do want to be there, they're there. They want to play for the school that they want to pl- that they're there for. Um, so there's some about that too. That's cool. But uh, yeah, I'll always be a college guy. It's it's it, I don't know. It's just like. I I like the NBA though. It's, it's great. But my, my my rebuttal to those people, they're like, you know, it's better. Um, I always say, yeah, like if you only cared about the top level talent, like you should only watch like basically the NBA all-star game and that's it. And like, that's the only basketball you should consume. If all that matters to you is talent is watch like the first five minutes of every all-star game. And then they start bringing in the subs and you're like, nope, I'm out. They're not as good as the other guys. (laughs) I only want the five versus the five. That's it. I want the 10 best players in the world on the court or nothing. That's all I want to watch. <laughs>
0: and why don't we hit this with college football? They don't college mm-hmm. football fans never get this this type of vitriol of look how dumb you are watching college I will football.
1: say this is a great point because uh this was happen- the other night I was watching uh what the Western Michigan I think it was Western Maction. Michigan Toledo. Yes, yeah, some action. And I believe it, it was it Western Michigan that choked it away and and boy, I forget already. But one of the teams just it was. I think it was Western Michigan. They just absolutely choked it away. Just the most embarrassing. They, they give up an onside kick. Uh, they, there's, a, there's a fake spike for a touchdown. Um, and I'm sorry for those listening if I, if I screwed up the teams, whatever. That's not the point. To so the larger point is, if you're watching that, you're saying to yourself, this is horrendous football. Like, what what is happening in front of me is this is indefensible. And if you go on Twitter or anything else, everyone's like, I love Maction. This is so good. I can't get enough of this. This is what I need on a Wednesday night. And I feel like it's the exact opposite of college. And if you're watching Syracuse versus Virginia and the final score is 34, 41, it's just nothing but like, Oh my God, drive nails through my eyeballs. I cannot watch any more of this. And I don't know what went wrong. I don't know where we went wrong as a a basketball community that, that we don't get the same. I don't know. Love that college football does college
0: basketball is weird. That's another great part about, about it. Teams don't play the same. You've got, two, three mm-hmm. zone in, in Syracuse and Washington, but that's it. I mean, everywhere yeah. else they're playing different styles and that that's what makes it more exciting.
1: It was funny watching the bubble, uh, as, as time goes on and teams are turning to zones and teams are turning to like trapping, trapping guys that, that come across. It's boy, it's been a while. And I watched so much of that basketball. It was like, I like, felt like that was happening to Donovan Mitchell, right? He, like cross half court and teams are throwing double teams. It was certainly happening to Damian Lillard. Like when he was getting hot and the Lakers started doing that to him. So, uh, and it's funny watching NBA people talk about how revolutionary all this stuff is. And if you watch any college basketball, you're like, yeah, this is, this is happening. Shoot, not even college basketball. Just go to, drive to any farm town in Indiana on a Friday night, and you've got coaches that are throwing all this garbage defense against the wall. They're, they're just like, we're going to run a, a rhombus in two. And you're like, what is that? And you're like, I don't know. Just, and they just start drawing stuff up on that – is, that is what amateur basketball is. So the idea that, like, the NBA is now revolutionizing that is, is pretty funny to me because it's, as you said – Jim bayheim has been doing that for years with the 2-3 and, you know, mixing it up like this. So, anyway. Who are the four-year guys that you love
0: in this draft? Cassius Winston jumps off the page. Cassius Winston's a good one. Killian Um, Tilly from Gonzaga.
1: Uh, Azubuki
0: from Kansas.
1: Killian Tilly's a good one. Uh, He's got some injury issues, but, um, you know, maybe you roll the dice. Uh, A team like the Jazz, which – feels like like I don't, I don't know the whole contract situation with the jazz how I many the guys are coming back and and aren't and all that kind of stuff but the jazz to me feel like a team that you know 23rd pick whatever like maybe you do take a swing on a killian tilly type because like he he's he's got talent that's he's got a, he's top 10 talent he's just got he's just had some injury problems and big guys with injury problems aren't aren't exactly guys you're uh tripping over yourself to get your hands on in a draft per se but uh I, the, the guy that stands out to me, if you ask me the question, the first guy I think of as a four-year guy that I'm very excited to see what kind of NBA career he has is Peyton Pritchard at Oregon. He is so good. He was so good last year. Uh, he he feels like like the comparison he's going to get is TJ McConnell, which I don't think <laughs> TJ McConnell is a bad player. like For obvious reasons, he's going to get the TJ McConnell comparison. I don't think TJ McConnell is that bad of a player, but I I'd still feel like that's a little insulting to Peyton Pritchard because – he he like Oregon has become a kind of a basketball powerhouse not ish on the west like Gonzaga it, I don't know they're working their way towards it and Peyton Pridge is a huge reason why like last year they had a very good team last year um in, in terms of wins and losses and and stuff like that but if you actually like watched Oregon play a lot some of their pieces, like, weren't that great. Like, if you took Peyton Pritchard off that team, I don't know how good they would have been. They, they And he he just carries it. He's so, so good. He's such a steady influence. Um, I don't know. Like, if uh, this is my way of saying, if the Jazz take Peyton Pritchard, if I, I don't think he's going to go first round. I don't know how his workouts have been going. But uh, he's not a guy that's going to be a, a starting point guard in the NBA for a long time or whatever. But, like, that's a guy that I trust. That's a guy that, like, when he comes in the game, he, he he's going to win over everybody because he just – he, he's so good, and it's not just like like the, the mistake that people would make if you're watching him is you would think that he's only good because he hustles or like he's only good because he takes tr- – he's he's a very good basketball player who also does those things. Um, he can score – there there were so many times at Oregon where he would just take over an offense and be like, I, just give me the ball and I'm going to – I'm just going to – like it, there was a game against Michigan at the start of the year. Uh, Michigan had uh, Xavier Simpson, who was supposed to be one of the best uh, – point guard defenders in the country and Peyton Pritchard just ate his lunch over and over and over and um I don't know he, he he's he's a great great basketball player who plays hard uh who is, is a good defender I don't there, there's a lot to love about him but I I feel like he's going to slip to the second round because uh he's, he's got some limitations athletically and physically and stuff like that but uh he's the guy that he's the, he's the, he's my answer though my four-year guy I'm really excited about so
0: Richard was one of those guys who stayed at Oregon forever. The the yeah. guy the Aaron Kraft All Stars, I suppose, is mm-hmm. is what you say. Where you think of college basketball and you think of of uh, Peyton Pritchard. Is there a favorite draft cliche that you like? Do you like mm-hmm. wingspan upside? Wingspan. Do you? What is your favorite draft cliche?
1: The wingspan is a good one. That's Billis's lane, right? Like he's yep. he's big on the wingspan. The upside. I I, one of the cliches I like is uh, is the player comparisons that uh, just I I don't know. It it says a lot about a draft analyst on how they do their player comparisons because some guys some guys swing for the fences and they're just like naming only all-stars and hall of famers. <laughs> That's it. Like every guy is compared to like Peyton Pritchard. You're like, I see a little John Stockton in his game. You're like, no, hang on a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, but then other guys go the other way and they just start naming the most obscure guys that like had a cup of coffee in the NBA and like who would ever remember that guy. Um, so I always, I always love the player comparisons because it does, it says a lot about the, the, the draft analyst. Uh, based on the comparisons they do and i love i also love the idea of um talking yourself into a guy being able to just practice his weakness and get better at it and like that's we're not worried about that so like you just take like a guy i i don't know like maybe take a guy like anthony edwards and you're like he, he needs i don't really love his jump shot but he's gonna he, eh, he's gonna fix it and you just kind of like throw your hands at it and you're like yeah he'll figure it out <laughs> you know <laughs> It always seems to be shooting that guys do that with is that like he can't shoot for, he can't shoot to save his life, but he'll figure it out. Just give yeah. him one summer. He'll lock himself in a gym. Kawhi did it. Back. Yeah, Kawhi did it. Yeah. <laughs> Kawhi so, did it.
0: He couldn't Kawhi, shoot at San Diego state. He, he had yeah. a game against Jimmer for debt with Jimmer look like the better player on the
1: floor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I love, I love when that happens. When uh, you just, if you love a prospect and you look up his stats and he shoots twenty eight percent from the three point line you're like uh you know what he'll figure it out I'm sure he'll figure it out it's uh, it's fine <laughs> my favorite is high floor
0: because that i mean they use high floor as four year starter in college he's right. he's twenty two years old and and that's the reason why he's got the high floor high that floor, you yeah. that you can take and he can insert into a lineup and be a contributor on day one
1: yeah yeah the 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 who's 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 ready right now who can you just plug yep, and play yeah. right now yeah uh and then and then i i that really is what draft analysis has become is just muddying the water so much and you start throwing out like superlatives to guys that like listen i don't think james wiseman is the best player in this draft but if you're asking me who's rookie of the year favorite I think it's and you're like no what what's the difference what is the then what is the why would James Wiseman be your favorite for rookie of the year but you don't think he's the best, Uh, and I think you just like throw enough stuff out there that like whatever happens you're like see I called it (laughs) I think that's how it works
0: and you only only remember the hits
1: never the misses right
0: a couple of local interests just because college basketball guy you've seen them a lot Sam Merrill over at Utah Mm -hmm. State um, has
1: a little bit of that Peyton Pritchard. A maybe, little bit, yeah. maybe
0: not the most athletic but he could shoot the a hell little out of the
1: disappointing ball. senior year i'd say but uh he's still he could still go yeah like i i don't know what this is this is the problem because he's a guy to me that like if, if this draft if this draft's happened in 1991 uh he's ended up on an nba team and you're like yeah i like watching that he's a good basketball player i want him on my team but now like he's a little older uh he isn't he doesn't jump off the screen at you when you watch him play is like that guy's definitely an NBA player, but it also wouldn't surprise me if you made, he, he's definitely a fringe guy. Um, but yeah, I, I liked him. I, I, I didn't watch a ton of Utah state last year. Cause I, they didn't have quite the season that uh, I think they were hoping they would have, but um, no, he, he, he could definitely go for sure. Yeah.
0: What's your player comp for him? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, who, who would be the standard player comp for a uh, Sam Merrill for just white guy who could shoot?
1: Uh, Mark Price. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a, like a small, cause uh, yeah, uh, uh, he's like a uh, I don't know. Mark Price is the one that jumped out. Jeff there, Hornacek, he, kind of ran, Yeah, Jeff Hornacek <laughs> would be the the jazz one. Uh,
0: yeah. We appreciate you running through the draft cliches and looking at some of those four-year starters who mm. may be overlooked by draft analysts but can contribute. Day one yeah. onto a team. He is Mark Titus of Titus and Tate on Roundball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. Mark, thank you so much for taking the
1: time. Thanks for having me.